0: Hey there, food lovers. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. Uh, so excited to bring you this one today because we're, if you notice, there, there was a little difference in the intro there. Normally I say, hey, hey there, Omaha. Even sometimes, hey there, Nebraska. This time I'm just uh, extending it to all food lovers because this is a restaurant that is striving to be a destination restaurant and... From what I've experienced so far, I think it really has a chance to get there. So I've got three very talented individuals from Casa Bovina in Lincoln. We've got Jordan Reed, Todd Abood, and Zach Midget. Guys, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having us, man.
0: Thank you. All right, so what I want to do to start here, especially because we have three different voices, is I would like you guys to each kind of – Introduce yourselves, say your name, and then maybe give us a quick 30 to 45 seconds on just your, your background and, and how you came to be at Casa Bovina. Todd, let's start with you.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm the executive sous chef there. Um, originally from Omaha, uh, I spent uh, about 12 years in Chicago, um, and just before uh, the pandemic hit, I was in Las Vegas for two at a restaurant called Le Cirque. Um, I eventually wanted to come back home and found a great spot at Casa Bovina.
3: Awesome. Zach? Uh, I'm Zach Midget. I'm the executive chef at Cospavina I grew up in the Philadelphia suburbs. Um, spent like seven years cooking in the suburbs and in the city of Philadelphia. After that, um, I spent the past three years in Napa Valley um, cooking at the French Laundry
1: um, and then kind of found my way out here. I'm Jordan Reed. I was uh, born and raised in Lincoln. Um, lived in Omaha for... Better part of a decade, kind of worked uh, worked at Avili Osteria in Dundee for Dario and Amy Shikey, and then uh, had the opportunity to move back home at Casa Bovina and uh, be closer to family and just have an amazing, amazing restaurant and uh, good food.
0: So, obviously, there is like an overwhelming amount of culinary experience and talent in the room right now, and I think that that really... Played out and was very evident um, when my wife and I, when we visited Casabovina last week. I mean, th- the meal was just spectacular. Like uh, I could throw out a bunch of adjectives right now and just waste a bunch of time, but people just know it was super good. And about halfway through my w- halfway through the meal, my wife turned to me and goes, "I think this is my new favorite restaurant." <laughs> so that that just kind of speaks to the level of cuisine that we're talking about. But I want to hear from you guys. What in your minds makes Cosmovina a different dining experience than Nebraskans can find anywhere else?
2: Yeah, so um, we're trying to bring that, like, fine dining feel um, to not just Lincoln but Nebraska itself. Um, me and Zach working in Michelin star restaurants as much as we did and having that fine dining background is just bringing that to Nebraska and people and making people comfortable in coming and eating there. Um, you know, like you said, you had a friend coming in and she's, you know, what do I wear? You know, we don't want to make people nervous. Um, we just want it to be a comfortable vibe, but also having that sense of like, wow, I've never seen something like this before and making it that destination restaurant. <clears throat>
0: mm-hmm. uh, you said, you something really interesting during dinner, Todd, and um, you said you guys want to make Cosmovina a destination restaurant, and I think at that point in the meal, I was I was eating the rib cap, and I was just like, cool, mission accomplished. Like, yeah. this is a destination restaurant. Any, anyone would come anywhere from Nebraska to eat this food. It's absolutely delicious. But then you said that you thought it could be a national attraction, a place that people outside of the state and even the Midwest would come, yeah. and I think if you said that to someone in like New York or San Francisco that, that people would travel to Lincoln to eat, they yeah. might think that's crazy. But why do you think that's possible?
2: I just think it's from what we're doing and like what we're going to accomplish. Like, just we're never it, the menu's changing every day. Uh, you know, working with the team that we have, um, it just seems like it's it's a reachable goal for for us right now.
0: And I think we've kind of seen cuisine start to spread out across the country a little bit more. It's not just in those major, mm-hmm. you know, food hubs that were, are traditionally known as like, you know, the the pillars of food in America. I think a great example is uh, Gavin Kaysen in Minneapolis opening up Spoon and Stable. Minneapolis is not known as a, you know, a food destination, but you've got a Michelin, Michelin star chef. Yeah. Choosing that location, I think he even left New York to go there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there should people shouldn't look at you know boundaries when it comes to food. I I feel like to fully introduce this restaurant, we need to talk about C- certified Piedmontese as well because those Caspovina and that brand are just linked together. Jordan, can you kind of explain everything that's going on just between certified Piedmontese and the restaurant, and really just the entire campus?
1: Absolutely. So it's fun. Like every day we, when we show up, it's uh, one of our little jokes or something we say is like, it's a great day to be backed by beef. You know, (laughs) Um, it's uh, just an outstanding company. Um, The peds are the owners, Tom and Rhonda are the mom and dad. Um, And Shane runs their uh, beef side of things for certified Piedmontese. Um, We have about five different ranches kind of all out in Western Nebraska. Um, that we are the, uh, I guess, like the largest, one of the largest producers of uh, the Piedmontese breed, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, it's an Italian breed of cattle um, raised right here in Nebraska. So it's it's no steroids, no hormones. Um, they're all grass-fed. Most of them are kind of around that aquifer out there, around the Ogallala aquifer. There's something about that that just makes this this breed just outstanding and just just a uh, great above above anything else really mm-hmm. um it's it's leaner it's uh it's more leaner of a beef it's uh it's really tender too and um it's it's just an amazing amazing product amazing cattle to work with
0: mhm so Jordan, I think you're probably the the best one to ask this. You were there from the very beginning. How did Casabovina kind of start to come together? It's about a year old now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to say it was last yeah. August um, that the restaurant opened. H- how did you kind of come into that story, and what what was your introduction to the restaurant?
1: Sure. So uh, I, I had worked with uh, the certified Piedmontese product in the past, um, and. You know, didn't really think much of it. Uh, you know, I knew it was a great product to be working with, amazing steaks, but it, it kind of just came about. Uh, my good buddy Joe Finnegan, um, he was kind of he kind of put the bug in my ear um, a little over a year ago. Kind of told me about this this project that they were going with. They were building this whole new campus on the uh, northeast side of Lincoln, right off the interstate. And uh, I was like, "Cool, that's awesome, man! That sounds like a great concept." And then uh, uh, Ben Maids got involved with it, Chef Ben um, from Alcarant and, uh, kind of was talking to them a little bit and, you know, they extended me an offer to kind of come back to Lincoln and, uh, uh, start up this new restaurant, kind of this new concept that Lincoln hasn't really ever seen before. Um, you know, to kind of do a, a full service fine dining in Lincoln, it was kind of unheard of, you know, a lot of people, there were a lot of, of people that were saying, you know, there's no way that's going to work. You know, Lincoln's kind of a chain town um, a little bit behind where Omaha is in the restaurant industry. So that's something that we were kind of looking to, it was a fun challenge, I guess, to kind of set the bar a little bit.
0: Well, I was going to ask like, what's that balance between excitement and intimidation? Because on one hand, it's like, Hey, I get to introduce something brand new to these people. And if they take it, they're going to love it. But there also has to be a little bit of reservation where they're like. But are they going to take it? Are they going to understand what we're trying to do? How, how did you balance those two things as you got started?
1: Uh, it's a challenge. You know, uh, we, we don't, all three of us here, you know, we, we love a good challenge. Um, if you want us to do something, we uh, we kind of take that and just kind of run with it. So, um you know, Lincoln's been really receptive to us. Uh, we couldn't be more thankful for the people that are coming in and just giving us an opportunity to kind of do our thing and kind of show them a different level of of restaurant and what, what awesome food can be, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a lady that was eating at the chef table that looked at us and she came up. Well, a lot of people that eat at the chef table come up to us and say, thank you so much. Uh, but she said, uh, well, uh, Lincoln open, uh, welcomes you with open arms, which was pretty nice to hear. So they're... Lincoln is very receptive to us right now.
0: That's beautiful. Well, and I think something that you guys do that's so smart is you really highlight the certified Piedmontese steaks and Nebraskans. We're familiar with steak, yeah. <laughs> so that's something we see that on the menu, and we're like, okay, I'm in. And but then they come in, and then they can, you know, they can have fantastic steak. They can have fantastic sides, but they can also get some pasta. Mm-hmm. They could get duck. They could, if they really want to go crazy, try a tasting menu and see how great that is. So you're kind of giving people something that's familiar, but then offering them opportunities to expand their line of thinking. And I think that that's a really smart way to go about it.
2: Yeah, and I think that's making people feel comfortable. We have the, you know, a la carte menu. If you just want, you know, salad, pasta, steak, or, you know, just want to do a steak. And then we also offer the two tasting menus, the chef tasting, and then highlighting the Piedmontese beef we have the beef tasting also so lots of options there really gives you like a opportunity
1: to make kind of whatever you want of the night like we got we do have our regulars that we're seeing some familiar faces coming in you know over the course of this last year we see people that are coming in every week or every other week uh we do have people coming in for anniversaries or birthdays um we do have people that are coming in for business dinners you know we have uh just a it's Didn't didn't we see someone yesterday to get engaged yeah, yeah someone yeah, just got go. engaged yeah. last night. Yeah. So uh poured some prosecco for them. The guy actually <laughs> he uh the ring fell out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. sat down, the ring fell out of his pocket, the server caught it right away. You know, that's something we're trying to really purvey to our front of house is just, you know, be be uh be present. Be present, yeah. Kinda always have your head on a swivel looking around the dining room, kinda seeing what you can do to help out. But yeah, the server caught it. Um just kinda picked it up, knew what it was, you know, kinda had that inclination of uh oh shoot this is something something happening in here um so we took it off to the side uh the guy you could see him kind of fumbling around looking in his pocket and uh he went up to the host stand to kind of see if he had dropped it so we caught him out there and then he's like could you just bring it out and we so we did this whole little thing
0: for him and she said yes so <laughs> wow that's pretty cool i don't know who that server was but incredible like just knowing what to do on the fly. I yeah. think I would have panicked in that that's, moment and yeah. probably just handed it to him and ruined the whole proposal right there. <laughs> yeah. So that's what it's about hospitality, man, to the finest. Dang, you guys do it right. Well, that is actually something that I wanted to hit on because one of the things that struck me about our experience was as great as the food was, it was really only one part of the entire night. Like everyone on the team, not just the, our server, but like everyone, you guys. Uh, pastry chef Mary, we're going to talk about her Everyone is extremely friendly and helpful the, the atmosphere is just really rustic and refined It was just kind of a fun place to eat I think when most people think about visiting a restaurant The first thing they think about is food And I would certainly drop myself in that bucket as well But how much does service and atmosphere play into the diner's experience And how much intentionality was placed into those areas When you're kind of creating Casabovina's experience? Jordan. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> some I learned from my mentor was, uh,
1: there's, there's two ways about it. So there's service and then there's hospitality. Um, service is like what you provide, you know, what you, what you do for someone and hospitality is how you make someone feel. Um, so we're all about the hospitality from like the ambiance to, you know, how we how we set the table, that first little view that you get right when you walk in the restaurant. I mean, we have this open kitchen design, so that's the first thing you're going to notice is this beautiful, beautiful, you know, clean, uh, amazing kitchen kind of just in the background there. Um, the way that our host greets you when you walk in, um, just kind of there's there's those steps of service or to the hospitality that we're trying to focus on just to make our our guests just feel you know, comfortable, you know, we don't want it to be stuffy or to have it feel like over pretentious or, you know, that, that, um, kind of cold, coldness to it. You know, we want you just to feel inviting, you know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what we're really shooting for. And then, uh, our chefs here, they come up with a new, like a first bite every day, like a new amuse, amuse boost, just to say, just like a thank you from the kitchen, just to our guests, just thanks for dining with us, you know, sit back, relax, let's have a good time kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, we've been, we've been going with the uh, amuse is pretty hard. We have the, um, so if you get the chef's tasting ones, if you do the beef tasting, you'll get three assorted beef tasting amuse bouche's, and it's just kind of like a surprise or a gift, and every single one of them has beef in it of, in some way or another, um, and we do the same thing for the chef's tasting one, and then we give every diner that, or every guest that just comes in, they get one as well. Um, so it's just like, it gives all the the salad cooks, a creative outlet to come into work and do whatever they want from a culinary aspect. I mean, they have full creative freedom to do whatever they want. Um, so it's just a cool thing for the cooks. It's a great thing for the guests. They sit down and
0: they just get this array of single bite things that are just fun to eat. Mm -hmm. I think you guys told me when we came in the other night that some guests, they're just, the, the idea of an amuse-bouche is a little bit foreign to some diners in Lincoln, <laughs> so some, <laughs> some guests, some guests get it at the table and they're just like, wait a second, I didn't order this, what is this? And you're like, no, no, this is a gift, this is like a, this is a warm-up yeah. to what's coming. What, what has that experience been like, being able to introduce, like, this concept of an amuse-bouche to diners?
2: I think it's pretty fun, it gives us more creat- creativity, you know, changing it every day, um, some people like to, they don't think it's edible because it's so pretty. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, you know, Tony giving us all the products um, from downstairs uh, to use in our muse. Did you want to touch base on that too, Jordan? Yeah, to, uh, so Tony and Contro,
1: our uh, are, are salumist and, and head meat lover, I guess, at uh, Certified Piedmontese, uh, him and Nick Munger kind of uh, steam-headed the uh, Mercado downstairs, our, our butcher shop right below the restaurant. And uh, he is a wizard with uh, some of his salumi and his cured products and, and sausages and stuff like that is just insane. Um, he does have, If I can kind of plug him real quick. Go so for it. Cool. Yeah.
0: So he has this, uh,
1: this value add program in the works right now. Um, so Certified Piedmontese is building him a uh, salumeria right next door. Um, it's going to be the first Nebraska USDA salumi facility. So the first one like in the nation um, to do that. Well, not in the nation. I guess in the Midwest um, to be certified USDA. Uh, he's featuring artesian salumi, charcuterie, um, and it's all certified Piedmontese, all beef, dry cured charcuterie line, which that is there's no other charcuterie line in the country that's going to match what he's trying to do right now. And it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, of course, he's doing some smoked beef sausages, some beef bacon, uh the beef bacon is crazy. Um, I've never really thought about beef being bacon, uh, just kind of right. comes from the navel cut of the cow. And, uh, these guys really like to use that quite a bit, you know, wrapping, you know, or asparagus that that's grown on the estate to just multiple out like facets that they can put that to use with. Um, but it's all kind of under his line in Contro cured, hundred uh, percent mangalita salumi, American hamon is what he's kind of going for. Um, it's going to be wholesale, direct-to-consumer. Um, yeah, kind of featured on our website. But, yeah, look out for
0: it because it's, it's coming in hot. Just another reason to visit. And and that kind of plays into the thought that, like, this, yes, Casa Bovina is a restaurant, but there's, like, this whole campus, and you guys are current, they're constantly growing and expanding and adding new pieces to it. And I, I'll give a plug as well. I want to give a shout-out to the Mercado. Like you mm-hmm. talked about, the, it's um, – kind of a a market yeah underneath the restaurant that you can go to before or after your meal. probably going to want to go before because i think it closed at eight but the really cool thing about it is there's so many like refrigerated meats and pastas and cheeses and stuff that like you probably don't want to buy and then take upstairs to your meal but you can buy that stuff and then store it in you guys's cooler and then just ask your server to grab it after the meal that's what we did and it was awesome so i just want to give a quick plug to that Back to the restaurant. Hmm. All right, uh, Zach and Todd, you guys both came to Casabovina from you know far away. You were working at Michelin star restaurants, like you like you said. Yeah, Chef Zach was in California, and I was in Las Vegas. <laughs> right, right, exactly. How did you become interested or even aware of this opportunity, and how were you recruited to to leave these places and, and come to Lincoln? Uh, truthfully, Shane, Shane's the owner of, uh, the
3: beef company. He had reached out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and then we kind of set up an interview. I flew out, uh, we did a tasting and then, uh, we went on from there.
2: Um, so yeah, I mine's a little bit more simple. Uh, my mom actually lives like right up the street. <laughs> Shout out to mom. <laughs> uh, and during the pandemic it was uh, Las Vegas strip got hit pretty hard. Um, so, she told me, you need to go check out this restaurant called Castlebuna, Everyone's talking about it. I'm like, ah, I'm not moving back to Lincoln. You know, I want to stay in the big city. So sure enough, I came down. I flew out. Uh, I got an interview. And just seeing the facility, as you know, um, it was just amazing. And no one, even me being from bigger cities, like I've never seen anything like that before. Um, so, yeah. And then I heard they were hiring this talented guy from the French Laundry. So I was like, all right, something's happening here. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we both, we joined the team and it's been, it's been working ever since.
3: Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it goes both ways, too. It's it's very uh, – I'm very grateful to have Todd and, honestly, such a great team. There's there's literally, from the Mercado and the Salumi program to Jordan to Todd to myself, we all have, like, 10 years of experience. And it's just really cool because we all don't know things we don't know. Mm-hmm. So Todd's bringing things to the table. I don't know. I'm bringing things to the table he doesn't know And from a culinary aspect. And Jordan has very knowledgeable about our pasta program and has been amplifying that. So – um, it's just, and the front of the house, Jordan
2: handles too,
1: which means Zach both have no
2: idea what's going on. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs>
1: just wh- wherever we're needed. Yeah. Um, it, it is really cool to see the evolution of where this restaurant has gone. Um, I mean, we started out on a great foot, obviously with chef Ben, uh, and then it kind of just kept growing every week. It seems like it just keeps evolving, getting better and better. And then we get these two very talented chefs coming in and it just takes it to that next level. It's, it's crazy to see just when you think like, okay, how, how, how much better can it get? Like, I just get surprised every day coming in. It's like, they're doing something new, something cool, something innovative. Um, they always say innovate and elevate, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just, let's just take it to the next level. Let's see where we can go.
0: So, Zach, you're, you're working at the French Laundry, and you say you come in and you do a tasting, and then you were convinced that this was going to be a place where you would leave that very well-respected restaurant and come to Lincoln. What was it about that experience that made you take that leap? Um, I mean, for
3: me, it was just uh, about quality of life. Um, cooks, you know, Todd knows we, we kind of growing up as a young corner and you kind of just grind really hard. Um, you work a lot and uh, it's I'm not saying that we don't do that here, um, but it was just kind of like a way for us to kind of create our own, curate our own experience instead of necessarily being,
2: you know, told what we have to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just to touch base on that, I think um, that's why it's so great. Cause you're not told what to do. And I think, when you are going up as like a young culinarian, you're working for a celebrity chef and you're never getting the credit for the work that you're doing. Yes. It's a, you know, chef, such and such is restaurant and you might create a dish. Well, that all that, you know, publicity that that dish might get goes straight to him and not you. And for here, we're actually getting, you know, what we're doing there, we're getting credit for it. And that, I think that's, that's great for, you know, as much as your work, you're actually getting credit for your work.
0: That is a through line that I've noticed in my conversations with you guys is just the amount of creative expression that is allowed, whether it is on certain dishes, whether it's a style of service, whether it's an employee wanting to open up a salu- salumeria, saluma- yeah. <laughs> yeah. a word that I've never even heard of before, uh, before today, like... How unique is it, and you kind of just touched on this, Mm -hmm. Todd, but how unique is it in the restaurant world to just have that amount of creative freedom to really just kind of try whatever you want? It's pretty rare.
2: Yeah, it's rare.
0: It's really fun,
3: truthfully. I mean, we just, we literally go into work and we're like, what do you want to do today? (laughs) (laughs) We just put a duck dish on like the other day. I was Todd, what do you want to do? And we just stood in the walk-in for five minutes and we actually gave it to you that night. Yeah,
2: that was the first time we, you were the first person to eat it. Yeah, I saw that happen <laughs>
1: that morning. They were they were talking about what they were gonna serve you when you came in, and yeah, they literally put that together in the afternoon because they had some product ready to go. So they were just walking through the line, saw them writing their notes, and they're like, Okay, let's see
0: how it goes. Okay, so th- this is something that as a food nerd like me, I just geeks out over. So what what is the process? Like you guys determine, okay, we've got some duck in the walk-in. What's the process of going from we identify the protein that we're going to use to here's the final dish that we're going to serve the guest? Well, this, is a, this
3: particular situation was a little unique. So we basically got in a bunch of uh, Muscovy and Rohan ducks, um, and we put them all in a charcuterie cooler and aged them for a month. So that was while that happened, we took all the legs off, um, and we ran duck leg about three weeks. And then today, the day that you came in was the day that, you know, they kind of hit their peak in the ager. Um, So we were kind of, the protein kind of told us what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a unique situation. Um, But other times, I mean, you find inspiration just by walking out in the garden where we just started a garden outside. Right now, there's probably about eight rows right now Mm -hmm. um, with room to grow. Um, But I mean, that's how I was brought up to cook is you just kind of walk around the garden and, and... find inspiration from that i mean
2: yeah we work with we work pretty close with farmers and you know sometimes they'll come and be like oh i got you know summer squash or zucchini and we're like cool what do you want to put that on like what works of course like seasonality but like working close with the farmers you know a lot a lot of restaurants aren't doing that and uh you know uh, it's whatever product that we have in our garden ourselves we go out there sometimes when we have a little downtime and like oh look there's basil over here Uh, and even you know some cabbage growing over here so um just kind of not really winging it obviously but making sure it tastes good too so
0: right but going back like to that specific duck dish the, the there was there was duck mm-hmm. but then there was also a polenta cake there was cherries there was morel mushrooms there was a sauce like how do you determine those other components is it just like you guys are just like batting around ideas like hey you know what what if we paired cherries with duck or is there Hey, we need to use this polenta in a dish tonight. Like, which would it pair best with? Just how how does the whole dish come together? I
2: think it's just talking with each other and then kind of being like, you know, maybe that would be good. And it's just it's just back and forth, and then finally, you know, we but well, obviously we we test it out before anyone eats it, and then we take you know, and then we go from there. But it's literally we sit down and just kind of be like, would I want to eat that? You Mm -hmm. know, cherries, duck, polenta. Yeah, that sounds delicious. That works.
0: Now, obviously, you guys are still fairly new as coworkers, Zach mm-hmm. and Todd. How like how long did it take to kind of de- develop that chemistry? I was nervous. <laughs> we <didn't know> if, <laughs> so Terrifying we, for me as yeah, well. Yeah,
2: because we you know, we moved, you know, across the United States and I, you know, I found out like, okay, now I have to work with someone I never met, don't know the food, or what kind of food he likes. You know, I know from his French laundry and I'm sure, you know, Zach coming in be like, okay, now I have an executive sous chef I've never met. Um, I don't know, the first date was it just kinda clicked i want to yeah. say yeah first day we kind of just started agreeing we both kind of have the same food style um it's just, it's a rarity to find but it works so uh yeah
0: <laughs> jordan I, I don't know how involved you were in the hiring process of these two guys but was there any sort of intentionality behind pairing them like todd just said they have kind of a similar food style was that in consideration
1: uh, for sure. So they, uh, it was cool to be kind of the, the outsider, kind of see these guys coming in. Um, I mean, they do have kind of different personalities, um, both very talented uh, in their own aspects. Uh, but literally, I feel like since the first, like, in the first hour, you guys just started clicking. Mm-hmm. I mean, you literally grabbed a menu, and you're like, okay, what do you want to do? And then, oh, I've been thinking about this dish, you know, since I've been moving, or I thought about this on on the road. You know, you are saying you had those eight hours on your way in, the last eight hours of your trip, and you are just thinking about food. And it was cool to see kind of the whole, see it all kind of come to you know, come together. And these two, they've just been, they literally hit the ground running since day one together. And it's been just an amazing team to watch.
2: I'm just eager to get stuff on the menu. Like during COVID, I wasn't cooking. Um, You weren't cooking as much as you were too, chef. So, and then finally just like, cause I had, you know, stuff I wrote down being bored at home, but not being able to do it. And then finally it's like, Oh, I'm just going to unleash every idea I have possibly to like, (laughs) uh, change the menu. So. Yeah,
0: it worked. It's like a kid who's been cooped up yeah. for like three months in his house, crazy. and then you let him loose in Disney World, and, you and give you're him just like, sh- go. <laughs> give him some sugar, and that's yeah. what happened. <laughs> so we've, we've done a lot of talking about uh, Todd and Zach's culinary talent, but we need to give you a little love too, Jordan. And I mean, you worked – No, You all right. You worked, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to give you some love, all whether right. you want it or not. You worked <laughs> under – like you mentioned, Chef Dario and mm-hmm. Omar for a long time yeah. at, at Avili and learned a lot under him. You've you're still doing pasta at Caspavina, but you've kind of moved into more of a front of a house role as well. Right. What made you want to take that next step in your career?
1: Um, you know, it was just uh, timing of things. Really, um, it was amazing to have kind of the uh, mentorship that I had with uh, Dario and Amy. I mean. Uh, seeing the love, seeing the passion, uh, that goes into, um, what it takes to just every day to make a small restaurant like, like the Osteria kind of operate and kind of run. And, uh, just seeing that is really inspiring. And then having this other opportunity kind of come up, you know, because of, you know, my background and what I was doing there. Um, it, it, it's cool how it all kind of comes full circle a little bit. Sometimes, um, some things you don't think are going to be uh the opportunities I guess you don't see coming are the are some of the best ones out there I guess you know um
0: I I don't really know where to go from that I guess (laughs) it's like um I mean like just how do you know to take that step kind of from the kitchen to you know more of an executive type of role who I mean you're still definitely doing cooking and you are very involved with the food but You're kind of running, at least from what I could tell, so much of the operation that was going on. How how do you know when it's the right time to take that step?
1: You know, it was just kind of a thing like, uh, wherever, I wanted to have, be that guy where if there was a problem or if there was something that needed to be done, I wanted to be that guy that could do that. You know, um, I was very, you know, just grateful that I had the opportunities I've had and uh, just... Being able to help the restaurant function just want to you know take it to be the best of best of the best really mm-hmm. and and to be able to be a piece of that puzzle is just so grat um just gratifying
0: really now looking at your cooking specifically all the plates and all the dishes that come out of the kitchen are beautiful but i think the showstopper and the thing that everyone notices mm-hmm is when Jordan brings out the giant wheel of cheese (laughs) and starts wheeling (laughs) that thing around the room. And then, you know, something special is about to happen. It's a thing of beauty, man. So I'm just going to just give you the microphone and let you explain the Tajarin dish and how that came together, what it is and what makes it just (coughs) something that I would recommend anyone go to Cosmovina has to try.
1: Yeah. The the Tajarin Dalla Forma. Um, So Tajarin, it's a, uh, uh, noodle, kind of specific to Piedmont, is kind of where it originated from. So that's kind of cool because that's where our cattle is from. Um, it was just kind of a a brainchild. So we have these culinary meetings every week. And Shane, our owner, he kind of put the bug in our ear. And um, really, I mean... He just kind of said, see if you can make it happen. And it's something I had seen in the past before, you know, something I've talked with Dario about, something I've, like, uh, you know, Piero, something that him and I had always talked about a little bit. And uh, it was just, you know, like these guys were talking about earlier, being backed by a certified Piedmontese, they, they were just giving us the opportunity to take these ideas and just kind of run with it. So um, we were able to bring in a full wheel of Parmigiano Reggiano from Emilia Romagna, and uh we cracked it open um and literally we just kind of experimented but literally from the first pasta that we put into that wheel it just worked and we were like okay this is going to be a hit like we know this is going to be something outstanding that people around here have never seen before
0: so and and this is me presenting it in barbaric terms i'm sure that you as a culinary professional would explain it much better but for someone who hasn't seen this dish, basically there's a giant wheel of cheese that's cut open. It's heated up so the cheese gets kind of melty, and then the pasta is tossed into it and mixed around so the cheese is like the sauce. Mm-hmm. And then it's just nested beautifully on a plate. And it, it's fun to watch. It's performance theater, and then it tastes even better than it looks. So, it, that I mean, that's like I said all the food is great but that that kind of adds that that's the showstopper. Yeah, right that's a, that's a theater element as well. <laughs> well. So we just
1: uh we just had this event when when was it Monday night uh Todd and I were working the Tahreen station. Um <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. We were we were I don't know, we probably pushed out 70 no, 80 85. 85 orders <laughs> oh at this Tahreen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're all oh, in one there was a
2: line. Yep. Yeah. So, so I was, was literally on the burner passing him pasta, and he twirled. He was twirling <laughs> eighty-five of those plates.
1: I got, I got okay at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. That'll give you yeah. some experience.
0: Yep. All right. Another critical component of the restaurant that I feel like we have to hit on uh, before we move on is the pastry chef, Mary mm. Patterson. And I became aware of Mary a couple months ago. I want to say I had Chef Ben Maids on this podcast and with a couple other guys, and I asked them. Who are like some of the rising culinary talents in Nebraska that we need to be aware of? And immediately, Ben said Mary. And I was like, oh, okay. I haven't eaten her food yet, but she's on my radar. And now I can fully say, after having her desserts and jams that she makes, phenomenal. I'm just... Just tell me about Mary. Like, have you guys seen, especially at her age, just a talent like that that's able to do the things that she can? She's
1: a badass. Yeah, that's 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 probably the best way to say it.
2: I have. I have it. I have. uh, She's amazing. Uh, She comes up with things just like us every day. Uh, Her plating is very, very, very beautiful. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know where she gets it, but yeah, she's she's fantastic.
3: I think she's mentioned to me that she gets it from her morning walks around Lincoln. She lives oh, really? in downtown oh. Lincoln, and she walks around through the parks and stuff and th- and thinks about food. Um, that's where she gets her inspiration from. But one of the most, uh, I guess, interesting parts for me is the fact that she's self-taught. Yeah, and she I'm, she's only been baking for I don't know what three years. Yeah, I think so, yeah. it's For me, it's incredible because I came here and I was like, oh, man, I don't know anything about pastry. <laughs> and this is going to be a really t- challenging thing
1: to manage. And then I looked over and I was like, all right. That's taking
3: care of Pastry's covered, yeah.
1: Yeah, she got her background from uh, a boiler room. Um, but, yeah, she didn't know that she could do gelato. She didn't know she could do, uh, like, these breads, these sourdoughs, these brioches. Like, she, ca- she really got these programs up and running for us and couldn't be more grateful for her. Uh, see the stuff that she's coming up with, like that that uh, beef tallow gelato. That was Crazy. the first thing that I saw Crazy. from her that just blew my mind. So it, yeah, it, it's, it's just burnt sugar, bourbon, and beef tallow, or,
0: or beef fat. Literally put beef fat in our gelato. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. It's something, you see it on the menu, and you're just like, wait, what? But then you taste it, and I can't explain why it works, but it works. And I, she even, she told us on Friday night like how excited she was when she got down there. You mentioned she hadn't made gelato before and she was, she was like checking out the kitchen. She was like, they have this phenomenal ice cream machine just like waiting there. And yeah. she was just like, I'd never done this before, but because it was there, I couldn't wait to play with it. And I think that kind of extends to a lot of the kitchen. There's some unique things that, at least I hadn't really seen before in the kitchen, like the double-sided oven and, you know, just some of the different uh, apparatuses you guys are allowed to use. Just how innovative is, is the kitchen in its design and in the d- different um, utensils that are available to you? The kitchen is amazing. Uh, it,
2: there was, you know, from the double-sided doors to the grill uh, to the pasta cooker, um, they really, really do take care of the kitchen staff there. Um, a lot of places you go, that's kind of the last thing. You know, if something's broken, it literally takes us like 10 seconds to get it fixed, which never happens. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the kitchen is state of the art for sure. And anywhere else, too, like they're they're worried about the front of house. You know,
1: most most restaurants want to get greedy. You know, they want to add more seats, add more tables, add a whole nother dining room. Whereas here it feels like it's it's literally about the kitchen. You know, how can we make the kitchen better first cuz that that's the heart of the restaurant, you know?
3: For us it's it's just I mean, it's a culinary playground. Yeah. We we have all the tools and resources to
2: literally do whatever we want. Just before like. we got here, and we got where you saw our grill. Mm-hmm. Um we just got a we just put on a smoker attachment to it.
0: Oh goodness. <laughs> yeah. Literally <so>. this morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like they are putting it on this morning there. All right, we got to go. <laughs> Oh man. Oh, that just gives me more reason to come back. Yeah. I can't wait to see what you guys do with that. <laughs> so kind of speaking about the design of the kitchen. Now I've not been to Le Cirque or the French Laundry or probably many of the places you guys used to work. So I'm not sure if you guys are used to working in open kitchens, but just like the concept of the open kitchen and all the diners being able to see in, is that, Like, is that a fun thing for you guys? Is it kind of intimidating because, like, any mistakes are just out in the open? Or is it fun to be able to, you know, kind of – there's not those walls up and you're kind of there with the guests? Just what are your thoughts on the open kitchen? Well,
3: for me, I mean, I'm definitely used to it. I'm sure Todd is as well. Um, And I think most certainly it curates a better dining experience for the guest. I mean, if you have, like, I don't know, an allergy or something and you ordered a rigatoni – And then you literally hear the expo call it out, like, order in, rigatoni, no cheese. I mean, that's cool because you're sitting in the dining room and you're literally hearing the chef call out your order. So I think it's, like, part of – it most certainly positively impacts the guest experience. It's kind of
2: more of a show, I think. I just need to watch my language. That's all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm good. (laughs) So something that really struck me when we ate there last Friday was – the silence. And I mean that in a good way. And that I think there's this idea that a lot of diners have, and maybe this is true in other kitchens, but that, you know, it's kind of a circus and there's a lot of different components. There's a lot of different people doing different things and it can be loud. It can, you know, there's, there's just a lot going on. But what amazed me is at the pass, everything just seemed very organized in the fact that you guys barely even had to communicate it. There were cooks bringing you things, there were servers coming to get things, and you had small exchanges here and there, but there was not a ton of communication needed. Everything was just kind of unsaid. It didn't need to be said. How long did it take to develop that silence, I'm going to call it, and kind of how do you get that level of communication?
2: Well, for well, for me, Chef, uh, was, you know, a lot of the our cooks that were coming in weren't used to that regiment. We worked because we we can we came from that. So not slamming the oven door, um, not shouting, you know, um, not putting tongs on the oven, not, you know, cracking a pot or a pan because we have guests. It took, it took a, you know, maybe a month, but now everyone has a job and they know their job. So it, it should be quiet. And we, we preach that a lot. Well, when you guys put
1: down that cloth right on the past that it's crazy how that little detail makes such a huge impact on everything else. So right at the pass, you know, right on the ticket line where they're serving the food, you know, before it goes out to our guests, you know, where they do all their plating, um, it's just so loud on that marble. Like when when those ceramic plates are are hitting the marble, you know, you hear that sound. So, I mean, these guys just are like, well, why don't we just put down a, you know. Tablecloth. Tablecloth. And it really reduced all the noise and all that extra ambient sound. And it's crazy how those little details make such a huge impact on things.
2: And that's how service should be. It's kind of like you're getting ready for your meal, you know, so setting the table, setting the tablecloth, you know, you see all the little garnishes that we have on Zach's side to my side. Um, So it's just that idea, like get ready for dinner service. We are also getting ready for dinner service too. So tablecloth spoons are ready. Everything's clean, wiped down. And then you're ready to, ready to rock. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, It was so quiet and composed that during service, and this was near the end of service. So things were kind of starting to wind down. But Jordan and Todd, you guys were having a discussion about a rabbit dish and Todd <laughs> you mentioned that there were like 14 different touches on it and so it was it was really it, it was an interesting process to put it together at the past but you didn't want to change anything about it because it was a great dish. So I, I'm just curious what is that balance be, between creating the perfect dish in your mind and creating something that is, ra- replicable during the heat of service so it's not slowing down everything else that's it's going on anytime in your dish it's trial and error um you have an idea
2: in your head chef zach will have an idea in your head and we agree on it it's, oh it's great and then you get into service it's like wow this is like a you know 12 minute pickup like <laughs> we need to rethink this um so it's literally just trial and error um but you know, if it is still a 12-minute pickup and it looks beautiful and it tastes great, then it's a 12-minute pickup. You that's know? just what it is. Yeah, that's just what it is. Has,
0: has there been a time where you've identified it, hey, this is a 12-minute pickup and we don't have time to do it and you've made adjustments on the fly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. lot? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um,
2: some of our bigger stakes, um, we, we're actually, um, you know, making sure that it's temps. Um, the guys know that, you know, Season racks or certain things that they need, tools they need, um, definitely changes, but um, that's you don't know until you get into service. Well, and
1: when Chef Zach first came in, the menu was literally
2: double the size. So uh, yeah. that
1: was one of the first things that, that these guys did was they cut the menu in half to make it more executable, to make sure that every dish is perfect going out to to the guests, to make sure that they have an amazing experience for every, every last bite. How many um, items did we go down? We went,
3: went from 44 to 22. Yeah. So they that's, literally just it right made it so saying, executable. They're just saying in the industry, it's just less is more. Yeah. Oh yeah. Less is more.
0: I believe that a hundred percent. You go to a restaurant that's got like six pages of a menu, and it's just like, guys, what are we doing? You can't make seventy-seven perfect items. Yeah, like here's, right. a, here's a booklet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, the Italians especially love that saying. I'm glad you said that. Uh, especially for like pasta. You know, there's not much to hide behind. You know, when you're when you're making those dishes. Um, I just wanted to touch again real quick while we're talking about that. Uh, So we had a lobster ravioli on the dish. You know, it had squid ink, it had lobster filling. And then Zach, he was a genius coming in. I've never seen ravioli made this way before, and it just blew my mind how tasty, delicious, and executable this dish is now. Um, The way that you inlay the, the squid ink now on top of it, instead of using the extra dough and, like, like, zero waste on it now. So it's, it's absolutely perfect. Like, I've never seen that before. So I'm always just excited to see what these guys
2: are coming up with. Using every part of the lobster, too, with that. to the, you know, taking the shells and not throwing away to making a lobster stock. Uh, we make something uh, that gets mounted in that stock. So uh, it's a sauce on the plate with coral butter. So we use coral uh, lobster roe. Uh, it gets folded into the butter, and that gets mounted into the stock. So it's like every single part of lobster is used. So there's no waste on that dish.
1: That. That's what's fun, is to see the different just to take it to that next level you know it's, it's so much fun to watch these guys work that is
3: a great example too because that whole dish started from a bunch of <laughs> lobster tails that we had in the freezer and yep. we were like oh what are we gonna do with these and <laughs> they then <inherited> Todd that <laughs> todd broke down lobsters every day for like a year at one of the restaurants that he worked with so he was super good at that i knew the, i knew what we were going to do with the pasta and then this whole thing came together and that's one thing we actually haven't changed
2: for the yeah. past three months that's gonna probably stay on for a little bit yeah it's delicious I mean, why would we change it?
0: (laughs) I knew this podcast recording time was going to be a mistake. We're recording at 11 in the morning, and I haven't had lunch, and now I'm just like (laughs) beyond starving. We're talking about lobster ravioli, and oh, man. Come back
1: with us to Lincoln for staff meal, for family meal.
0: (laughs) Oh, I wish I could. I don't know if my bosses would appreciate that, but maybe we'll see. Um, So when you guys come in and you see this this 44-item menu, what's your first thought and as you start to be like okay maybe we need to pare this down how do you decide what stays and what goes
3: man that was uh it was mostly i think things that had we had a i mean i when you got there there was what already pretty much at least 28 things left yeah i knocked it down in the first month um but for me it was the things that irritated me during service um like if there was an issue (laughs) with the dish i was like all right no more of that 86 (laughs) it yeah Um, but yeah, I mean, I just knew I needed to be simplified. Um, it's just, it was too hard to, I'd rather do 10 things great than 20 things mediocre for me.
1: Chef, Um, you had a few choice words for some of those dishes. (laughs) (laughs) You put it
2: very elegantly there, but during service. And making sure that, you know, Chef Zach and I, that, you know, most of the things that are on the menu are, are ours, you know, there was a chef previously. Um, so of course we were like, we got to change everything to make, make sure that we're showcasing our stuff. Um, but yeah, and then also just making it, you know beautiful and, and make sure it tastes good.
0: Mm-hmm. Now something, I mean something, a lot of things are very unique about Cosmo Vina, but I think one of the critical ones is that you guys do both, and you mentioned this earlier Todd, you do both tasting menus and just a traditional menu with a la carte items. Can you explain just how difficult that is having to have that balance of some people are doing a tasting menu Some people are ordering entrees. Some people are just, you know, doing a bunch of small plates. Like, having all that going on in the kitchen at once has the chance to make chaos. It's mainly an expediting kind of thing. Um, But we do say
2: uh, when you do come in that the table, if if you are to do a tasting menu, that the whole table uh particip- 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 i can't even say that word participate, participate. there you go uh <laughs> in the in the menu just to make it a little bit easier and, and of course it, it would be weird if someone is doing a tasting next to you and then you're just doing you know right that'd be super awkward and the timing would be off because yeah. one person's going to eat for two hours and the other person's like all right i'm done i'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna chill yeah. it also creates this
3: kind of cool atmosphere in the dining room like sometimes i don't know Like, we kind of try to put the really cool things on the tasting menu. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the dining room and you just ordered, like, a ribeye or whatever, not to say that there's anything wrong with that. You're more than welcome to come to Casa Vina, order a ribeye, have a great time, drink a beer, head on out. But uh, if the table next to you is getting the tasting menu and they're getting these, like, dry ice smoking gelatos, they're like, how do you get that? Yeah, You know? Uh That's cool. Yeah. so.
1: We're seeing more and more of those tasting menus too. Like every week, it seems like it's kind of taken a natural progression
0: to more of a tasting menu kind of spot. But And I'm, tasting menu just showcases what we're really doing there. Well, it showcases everything. Yeah. You don't have to come in and decide between, oh, am I going to get a steak? Am I going to get the duck? Am I going to get pasta? Like For someone like me, that that creates instant menu FOMO. Because even yeah. if I love my dish, I'm like, well, oh, that pasta was fantastic, but... Man, that, that guy next to me, his steak mm-hmm. looks amazing. If you do the tasting menu, you get a little bit of everything. I shouldn't say a little bit. You get a good portion of mm-hmm. everything. So you get a, get a try of the whole breadth of the restaurant versus just one or two things.
1: It really makes it more of an experience. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. It's more of a
0: dining experience as as opposed to just going out and eating.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't, when I go out to eat, I don't want to really think, I'm trying to enjoy myself. Right. Like, pick my wines, pick my food, don't even <laughs> give me a menu and let me sit down and enjoy. Just trust us. Yeah, I know? couldn't agree
0: more. Yeah, that's the thing is, who do you want to trust? Do you want to trust yourself or do you want to trust like culinary professionals yep. who have <laughs> devoted their entire lives to this? So true. Um, I want to take an opportunity here and kind of look at you guys' pasts and how that has brought us to this point right now. What is the most important thing you feel like you've learned over your career as a chef or in the restaurant industry, and how are you implementing it now at Casa Bovina? Oh, man.
3: Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I mean, for me, I've always been uh, attracted to like the disciplinary and the like brigade system of a kitchen. Um, I get great satisfaction of mentoring people and showing them better ways to do things and how to respond to things. Um, for me, that's what I get. I really enjoy the team atmosphere, um, and I, I kind of always have just been kind of self-driven. Um, but that, that's what it is for me. I mean, it takes a lot of discipline to be in this industry,
2: yeah.
3: um, and I have great respect for anyone that tries to be in it, and all of our employees that do come in every day, I have a lot of respect for them. Um, so for me, it's, it's the team thing. That's what keeps me coming back every day
2: uh for me I think just like learning every day like when I was younger like being a hard-headed young kid thinking like oh I worked at this Michelin star restaurant so of course I know everything you know I spent two years here so of course I know everything so but getting older you kind of start to realize like no you learn something new every day and if you're not learning something new every day I tell the young cooks is like you need to make a change there shouldn't be a kitchen you walk into you're like no I know everything So constantly learning, constantly doing research, and, and, you know, not just taking, like some people like to say, some people might disagree with me, is like, leave your work at work and do your home. I like to go home, and I'm constantly, you know, looking up some recipe or, you know, learning from some other chef. Uh, That's what excites me is that, you know, being in this career, it's not really boring, that there's always something new to learn.
1: I mean, I'm getting Instagram messages from Todd at like one or two. Oh the yeah, body. I sent a video. I'm like, like send him check this out. Look at this. Todd. Look at what he's doing with this dish. And it's like, it's pretty cool. Why can't we do this? Let's figure this out. <laughs> Zach's always like, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it better.
0: <laughs> I think oh. uh,
1: the, one of the hardest things, probably, to do in a restaurant is to stay consistent. Though you know, mm-hmm. to uh, it's that challenge of always executing at that level, especially that we're trying to execute at every day, day in and day out. That's probably one of the hardest things to do, but that's what makes it fun. You know, you got to keep pushing yourself every day. And then also, you know, it's that, that guest experience too. When you see, that's probably the best part. I think you asked that when you came in, like, what's your favorite part of cooking is like seeing that look on your face when you took the bite of that duck, Mm -hmm. like that's what it's about, man. Like that's literally what it's all about. Just seeing how that, that joy, that, oh my God, you know, that that face that, that diners get when they take that bite, that's just perfect.
0: Well, and that kind of plays back into the, open kitchen concept. When I asked you guys about that, you kind of approached it more from the diners aspect and getting to see into the kitchen and what's going on. But I would imagine that that's pretty fulfilling for you guys too, where instead of just having that wall and and not having the interaction, you get to see people when their eyes open, when when something is delivered to their table and they're just like, holy cow, I, I thought I ordered a meal, not like a masterpiece like yeah, it's, that, it's that's got to be it's fun a, it's a
2: different feeling sometimes because i mean we had one guy that came up and he said that he almost he almost cried and then he wanted to take a picture of us as one of his best meals he had <laughs> and his daughter's like no he really almost cried so uh that was it, it's not i don't i don't want to say awkward but it's just like wow that's no one's ever really said that right <laughs> that, that
1: that's the beauty of that open kitchen too like when I'm walking the floor, you know, I'm doing a tahirin or something at the table, and and they're asking, oh, so who are your chefs? You know, like, we, because they hear about it through, you know, word of mouth and all this. And I'm like, well, we can go meet them if you want. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> Enjoy, right, your meal. Right Enjoy your meal. Like, yeah, let's go for a little tour of the kitchen. Like, let's go say hi. Take pictures if you want. Like, wh- that's what it's about. You know, that's part of the hospitality for Casa Bovina.
0: Mm-hmm. Something that I like to ask every guest I have on the show, and I'm especially excited to ask you guys, What is something that you don't think that diners understand about the restaurant industry that you wish they did? You could probably go in a lot of different directions with that.
1: I'll start it off. Yeah, go ahead. So it's uh, I think it's give us a chance. You know, nothing is not fixable in a restaurant. You know, if you have a you know something doesn't taste right, if you're not happy with something, give us a chance to fix it. I think that's the biggest thing. Like let don't just get all mad and upset and go write your reviews or blah 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 whatever it's it's like I, I think about like being in, in like a doctor's office you know you got a two o'clock appointment doctor doesn't show up till 245 you're not gonna get upset yeah. you know it's it's the same thing your table's not ready for 10 minutes or you know your 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 dish takes a little bit longer you know just just sit back and relax just I think that's one of the biggest things I'd like to convey to people out there
2: sure yeah <laughs> yeah same thing you know uh, you know it is a restaurant. Uh, people we do make steaks we're not perfect um i guess on on that same idea is that getting people out of that comfort zone about our restaurant is like yes everything's edible you've never never seen something like that before but just try it out give it a shot and you know if if you're a cheeseburger and kind of guy and potatoes there's plenty of restaurants in nebraska you can go but if you want to experience and see something you've never seen before come to Castle bovina
1: Right. You can also order amazing cheeseburgers on certified <laughs> <well>. Shout out. <laughs> yeah, man, man we are working with I've a true professional had. right <laughs> here. <Look laughs> love, at my, that. love this company, man.
0: All right. Well, I have taken enough of you guys' time today. You got to go back. You got to make staff meal and then make a lot of people happy tonight. Mm-hmm. But uh, before I get you out of here, I, I just want to give a personal plug to the restaurant. Like. I I love Omaha restaurants so much. And there are so many in this city that I want to experience that I I have this list in my phone and I cannot go through it fast enough. Like I, so I very rarely recommend that anyone leave Omaha to go eat somewhere. This is a place I highly, highly recommend like that 45 minute drive, 40 minute drive, whatever it is, is worth every second. Casabovina is a very unique, just awesome experience. Like, halfway through our meal Sarah was already asking me like when can we come back next (laughs) and I think that is that's the ultimate thank you I guess that we can try and express to you guys and in what you've done I know you know we we played on a lot of the positives today but I know that it's a lot of work I know that there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that diners that I don't know about that you guys have gone through to get to this point so I just wanted to Commend you, let you know you're doing a great job, and say thank you for your hard work and thank you for taking the time to come on this podcast. Yep, thank so you. you. Thank you very much. All right. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us.
2: Ahura Media Production.